0: time! It's time for that radio show everyone loves. Do not attempt to change
1: the station. Just listen and we'll keep broadcasting. It's
2: time to begin the show.
0: 1039 LI News Radio presents your island, the very best in talk radio, with your host, Tom Chilero. <laughs>
1: 2-1. To- Friday special. Now this segment of our program is being brought to you by the Suffolk County Police Benevolent Association. The PBA It serves to support law enforcement, participating all designed to help protect our community. They care about you and keeping us all safe. From the anti-drinking and driving campaigns to protecting our children with education on the Megan's Law. PBA promotes a great relationship between the police and the people it's want to serve. Suffolk County is one of the safest counties in the country and the PBA takes pride in a strong belief in our security. They have honored our fallen heroes and contribute greatly to our suburban way of life. Need to know more? Go right to their website www.suffocantipba.org Noel DiGeralmo Perez and I am excited about today's show we're going to try to put it into somewhat perspective as you know this week the uh, legislature went in session up there in Albany, governor, state of the state, assembly members all getting together, state senate members all getting together. We spent a lot of time talking about the year of the criminal last year, where much of that legislation that was passed was not in any shape or form for the forgotten middle class. uh, Dealing with parole and dealing with changes in bail reform and discovery and having people who serve time, uh, ability to serve on juries and just all this stuff, but what about school reform? What about uh, reduction of property taxes and a better way to pay for our schools. What about all of that criminal justice reform to protect the taxpayer? Well, we're lucky because we have one of our contributors is, is the great Assemblyman Assemblyman Doug Smith, uh, who uh, diligently comes in here every other week to give a report. He's not afraid to be transparent. He's not afraid to put it out there and to discuss the issues with you folks. So, for the most of the show, I want to take phone calls. I've got Doug in the studio right now, and he's going to give us a report because he was up there this week. He saw firsthand. Rumor has it we had Angela called in this week saying that there was a little protest going on outside the state of the state. I want to find out Doug's spin on that and also what are those Senate Democrats and one of the majority in the Assembly, what are they saying about the worst legislation ever passed and we're talking about bail reform, also the
0: vaccination bill. And I i better shut up because I'll just keep going. Doug Smith, how are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, my voice a little coarse, uh, probably from all the smoke inhalation from the governor's speech. But uh, but it's uh, it, it's been a wild week, a wild first week back. Uh, and as you mentioned, you know, the governor had his state of the state address. We opened the Senate and assembly for session. Uh, and, you know, there weren't a lot of surprises. But uh, as I had mentioned, when I was uh, driving up on the throughway, I was very Uh, concerned and interested to talk to my colleagues since it really it's the first time we're all back in one location to talk to them and see what they thought about this bail reform uh, being one of the most important topics Um, and I have to tell you private conversations I had with both Democrats and Republicans everyone that represents a suburban community even some from Queens very concerned about this unfortunately the governor's speech he didn't even mention bail reform the Senate Democratic uh, Majority Leader uh, she talked about bail reform, uh, I think realizing that it could put her majority at risk. Uh, and then the Assembly Speaker, uh, in his last speech before we hit the road uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, he actually said he's pretty good with it the way it is, and he'd like to just see it continue. Uh, not a good uh, indication of where you know New York City and where uh, the State Assembly is, uh, is right now. So I, I'm deeply concerned about that.
1: Yeah, I'm deeply concerned, too, because I'd like to see it tweaked a little bit, Assemblyman. I would like to see a tweaking where they give a little door open to the judges in terms of discretion to literally take that out of the hands of the judges. Did we forget, Assemblyman Duck Smith? And I'm talking I'm talking about you. I'm talking about the colleagues that in most cases, when bail is given out, uh, the judges get a report. They get a report from the police and from independent individuals. What should be done with this person? There are no more reports. Just let him go. And that's a big problem. And I'm, I'm wondering why members of the Assembly and the Senate didn't consider the fact that it's really up to the front line folks, such as the judges and the prosecutors and even the defense attorneys and corrections and police, should get a say in this. It's now become a political issue that the far left is embracing because they have this false narrative of mass incarceration. I mean, you've got your work cut out for you, my man.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and I have to say, law enforcement has been fantastic. And I saw a lot of our uh, represent law enforcement agencies across the state. They were up there. Uh, they are very interested in seeing this fixed. Uh, they more than most care about the public safety. You know, we have uh, listening on your show right now. We have so many members of the Suffolk County Police Department, Nassau County Police Department, that are... Uh, you know, listening into your show, they are concerned and their families are on edge knowing that, uh, you know, take handcuffing police and preventing them from making arrests or putting bad people right back on the streets is not helpful. I am very encouraged though. Uh, our Suffolk County Sheriff Errol Toulon has been very vocal about his concerns and about changes that need to be made. Very happy about that. Errol has been, uh, really a, a, a voice, uh, really for championing those, those fixes. Uh, our, our, even our Democratic uh, District Attorney Tim Sweeney has sounded the alarm and said we need changes. So this is not just a Republican issue. You know this is something that and you, you talk about it all the time. We talk about the forgotten middle class, and I am very happy. On the one hand, I'm disturbed that this needs to this fight needs to happen. I am because I, I, I think the best way to prevent things like this are to as I've mentioned read the bills and anyone who read that legislation last March uh, March 31st it was uh, right we about about, uh, three o'clock in the morning on uh, April 1st within the state budget. Anyone who took the time to read it, it it spelled it out. This is what was going to happen. We in the Assembly Republican Conference stood up. We debated this. We were um, there were people on the other side of the aisle that said we were fear mongering. You know, unfortunately, at, at this time, I wish we were fear mongering. That's not the case. These things happen when I was in Albany just the other day. uh, Actually, after I got off the the phone with you on the show, about an hour later, I arrived to Albany. First text message I get was about a case where a six week old child uh, ingested his dad's meth and died. And with that case, you know, they, they had to let that guy go. Disturbing.
1: You know, again, uh, I talk about putting that discussion back to the judges. They're receiving these profile and background checks on the individuals before them. They are the learned individuals. This is how the system should work. The criminal justice system in America has never been 100 percent, but it's pretty damn good when you think about the balance. And I, I also want to follow up to what you're saying. Uh, Suffolk County Sheriff Errol Toolin will be a guest in the studio on Tuesday coming up January 14th, one o'clock on our show show and we will be talking about this. Sheriff Errol Toton will be in the studio one o'clock on Tuesday on uh, January 14th. Um, so much to talk about. Uh, you get up to Albany this week. The state of the state was there a lot of people sitting on their hands? Was there a lot of applause? Did the governor say anything for the forgotten middle class?
0: <laughs> well, he did put out some big proposals, but the question is going to be, how do we pay for it? So, uh, you know, he talked about support for legalizing recreational marijuana. Uh, and, and as we know, we're actually looking at a six billion dollar budget uh, deficit, mostly made up by, you know, a lack of Medicaid funds and something that to that he talked about to combat that. And I find this You know, somebody who's been around for a while, I find this uh, very concerning. So in, uh, I believe it was 2013, uh, one of the great things that that New York State did, they took away a lot of the Medicaid costs for each county. So I believe in in 2012 or 2013 uh we actually picked up two billion dollars of medicaid costs and now in his speech the governor talked about how uh an exact opposite he just said well the counties need to pay their fair share uh i'm deeply concerned about that because i thought by taking that mandate off the counties we were moving in the right direction uh and now he would like to put that back on so uh that's that's a concern he talked about uh, oh sorry
1: no, I know. And again, we never really felt that here in Suffolk County. Like uh, I remember they're saying, this is great. Suffolk County doesn't have to pick up these Medicaid. It's going to come out of Albany. But where did we feel that? You know, how we felt it. Red light cameras. That's how we felt it. That's all that took place. And that was that was disturbing because whenever they save the county's money, it just doesn't seem to come back into the folks, Doug.
0: Yeah, I mean, my uh, my predecessor, Al Graff, who those who know him knew, know, you know, he likes to speak pretty plainly. And uh, and he looked at uh, the county executive at the time and said, man, we, we you know, we, at the state level, we keep taking costs off you. You guys are like a black hole. Every time we take costs off, you still find ways to uh, not have enough money.
1: So yeah, it's something again, that... You know, and you're right. I mean, there's just so much to talk about. There was a bit of a protest up there, I heard Uh, before we go to break in uh, like 30 seconds. uh, Bit of a protest going on when you got there.
0: Oh, I I, now again, I I've been around a lot, uh, but and there are a lot of protests. I have never seen people this fired up Uh, last year with repealing the religious exemption uh, for vaccines in schools. 26,000 students were kicked out of public school. So thousands of parents came up. Um, I, I mean, right, right in the uh, walk between the legislative office building to the state of the state, there had to be hundreds of parents screaming and shouting. And, and they're deeply concerned because they feel they have nothing left to lose. Their kids have been kicked out of their schools. Uh, I think that needs to be fixed. We need to fix a medical exemption as well, where uh, if someone is going to have a bad reaction to these vaccines, you know, they shouldn't have to uh, take that risk.
1: Right. And again, I want to put it out to the folks. Uh, There's a lot to talk about. You're hearing just uh, a tidbit of it. We have Assemblyman Doug Smith in the studio reporting back from Albany. I think he just got out of his car and he's in the studio. And we're going to be talking about all of the stuff that took place. In addition to the fact we're taking your phone calls. When we get back, 631-451-1039. What do you think about all of this? What do you think about Albany? All of these issues, we'll be talking about them. 631-451-1039. Be back in about seven minutes. I'm Tom Shillera. We'll be right back.
0: Please keep your eyes open for motorcycles. This message is brought to you by my buddies at Long Island Abate. The following radio show is live, except for the announcement you're hearing right now. Welcome back to Your Island Live with your host Tom Chilero on 103.9 LI News Radio.
1: And once again, welcome back as we're moving right along on our Friday edition. Are you looking to sell your home or buy? Well, look no further. Manzoni Real Estate is a real estate broker that the MLS proudly rated number one here on Long Island locally. Not an easy thing to do. You see, Ray has a unique approach to selling your home. Ray says this, your home sold guaranteed or I'll buy it. This is a gimmick-free zone. Special circumstances, estates, divorce, all handled professionally. Ray Manzoni Real Estate is at the top 1% of all realtors in the nation in the volume of sales. This is the number, 631 928 1188. 631 928 1188. Go to that website, www.manzoni.com. Let's get right into it. We're taking calls, 631 451 1039. The disconnect about Albany is our, our topic. We've got a Duck Ducksmith, fresh from Albany, first, first week of session, uh, getting up there, feeling his way around on what's going on, what's the political lay of the land, so to speak. We've been talking talking About the vaccination issue, which is big, we'll be talking about that. Also, the bail reform, discovery reform, all sorts of issues that took place last year. Maybe there was some buyer's remorse on some of these issues. Doug's been up there, he's been talking to a few folks. You could ask him questions, folks. That's why he's sitting there. 631 451 1039. Assemblyman, buyer's remorse at all to some of these uh, issues?
0: Oh, I certainly think so. I I, I think one of my very, very good friends, a Democrat assemblyman, I I don't like to mention names just because it doesn't really matter, but but it's uh he told me that is the worst vote he's ever taken and uh he now he lives in a district where people on the left like alexandria ocasio cortez but at the same time he feels that it uh it was not it was sold as a certain thing to fix the criminal justice system and that uh it's just making our communities less safe and i'm telling you people are furious myself included
1: you know, again, six three one four five one one zero three nine to see if there's any regret on the part of some of those legislators. And I know Doug's out there going around trying to find out if there's any way a little door could be open so they could return sanity to New York State. We've got uh, Joe over there in Rocky Point taking your calls, folks. Ask the 70-minute question. Yeah, Joe, you're on the air, sir. Yeah, I have a question because I
3: remember last year during the budget process, through a good source of mine, found out. That they hid inside there so Suffolk County uh, was overcharging on fees, so they would be relieved of their lawsuit stuff. Now the same source is telling me that on the progressive left in the state legislature, they're flaring the idea of of putting a resolution in, so that I'm, I guess you don't. I guess you vote on certain parts of the budget at different times. So, AK like this bail reform and everything else. Where you guys take a straight up and down vote, nobody knows who votes for what, so they can't be held accountable. Is that true?
0: so what they might be referring to um the budget's broken up into 10 budget bills you know capital expenses there's uh state operations there's several things and certain policy propo- proposals will be in different different aspects there's an education labor part um but as you mentioned resolutions like for example uh there was a resolution to increase the governor's pay you know that was done as a resolution not as a vote uh which can be done as like an up or down vote which uh, uh so that might be what they're referring to um I, Obviously, a resolution is much different than a um, budget bill, okay. but but yeah.
3: Well, from my from my understanding, because they're getting all this backlash, and what they're going to use, w- what they want to do is so there's no accountability to the voters or to or or to the taxpayers. They want to shield themselves from. Oh, well, you voted for that bail reform, okay? You did the you know th- this is what I'm hearing that they're trying to float something where on certain issues you'll never know who voted for what. I, I mean, which I find absolutely. Uh, That is totally uh, being non-transparent so that you can hold your representative accountable, okay, for what we want done, not what they want done.
0: I mean, it's definitely I haven't seen that on this particular issue, but uh, but I could see where someone could be speculating. And I was just mentioning this during the break. Uh, a lot of the New York City representatives do not want this bail reform changed. And I'll tell you, in the New York State Assembly, there's one hundred and fifty of us of the one hundred and fifty, forty two Republicans, one hundred and eight Democrats of the one hundred and eight Democrats. Something like sixty five of them represent New York City. Now, understand, to get a bill passed, you need seventy six votes. So. There is a very good chance that to get, you know, to get a full repeal of this bail reform or to get changes, it's going to count on the, you know, non-urban representatives to partner with Republicans to get that done. And there's a question, will they do that? Because that's an ego thing um, for some of our uh, legislative
1: yeah, I, I just want to jump well, in because we did do this show uh, just uh, a couple of days ago. And the way I understood it, that the bail reform was stuck in the budget, so that if you had to vote for that portion of the budget, you were actually voting for bail reform, which correct. then kept hidden. Because I think that's what Joe is referring to here, Doug. And that's the way I understand it, is that's one way in which they can get unpopular bills passed and really pull the eyes over voters. Well, and I think that's the well, question to that.
0: Yeah, if, if that's what the question, I heard then yes. Was,
1: what i heard was that i want to clarify they that that's that they important can vote,
0: here. if if they
3: can vote anonymously they could they could vote their conscience instead of thinking that they could be held accountable
1: Well, Well, That's that's what happened here. That's what we're saying. I mean, uh, if it's stuck in the budget and you have to vote for these budget bills, you vote for the budget bills. Yeah, you're voting for funds for this and funds for that. But in essence, are you voting for this without and, you know, Doug, you said it on the way up here and you were so correct on that. Uh, The whole idea of that's how they circumvent public hearings on this stuff and they get away with that and it it becomes after
0: the fact. Absolutely. And and something something I've said to my colleagues is, look, if somebody hands you a, a cyanide capsule and covers it in chocolate, you still shouldn't it. You know, you yeah. shouldn't, you know, there's nothing, and I said it on the ride up the other day there is nothing that I could be offered. You're not going to build a park in my district. You're not going to do anything. There's nothing you could offer me that's more important than the safety of the people I represent. And I want to add one other thing what Joe was
1: saying is that if this was, Assemblyman Smith, if this was a standalone, would the Democratic state senators from Nassau and Suffolk County have voted in the affirmative on it?
0: I don't believe so. I don't. No, that's
1: that's the point. That's the point here. This this was a way in which to pull the wool over the eyes of people who live and residents in the state of New York, and that's and that's a big problem.
3: Totally dishonest. Joe. Just just totally dishonest.
1: Thank you, Joe. I Appreciate that. Six three one four five one one zero three nine. Assemblyman Duck Smith answering the questions on what's going on in Albany. Assemblyman Smith is back after the first week. Ed from Belport. What do you say, sir?
4: Hey, Tom. How's it going? Hello, Assemblyman. Yeah. Uh, how are you? How are you doing great? Uh, I had a quick question uh, regarding this vaccine uh, thing and you know i'm I'm in agreement with the uh, the families you know that um, unfortunately had their kids uh, you know suspended out of school but um, correct me if I'm wrong uh, the kids that are in school now they got the vaccines okay so everybody's good to go uh, if these vaccines truly work now what would be a problem if the kids that didn't get the vaccines We're allowed back in school because everybody's got the vaccine, so they're all safe. So, you know, think about that for a second. It's it's called the contrapositive. You know, what's happening is the state, on behalf of Big Pharma, is forcing this on on kids, and the families might be religiously objected to it. You know, I'm not going to get into the vaccine itself. That's a whole other uh, discussion. But, you know, if you think about it, if if they're all vaccinated in school, then why not allow these other kids back in? Because obviously, uh, they're safe. You know, the kids that are vaccinated are not going to get the flu because they're vaccinated. So wh- where's the problem? I just don't understand the logic uh, what's going on here. Why are they tossing all these kids out of school for no good reason?
0: It's a valid question, and that's something that uh, was definitely discussed during the debate last year. That's that's one of the many reasons why I voted against that bill, um, to remove the uh, religious exemption, and it's it just... I mean, there needs to be an honest conversation about about this. And I I don't think that that happens oftentimes. Uh, What they were talking about is the measles outbreak in certain parts of the state, like Rockland County. And instead of seeing what could be done to address that, maybe an education campaign or encouraging families. uh, What they did is they did a one size fits all approach and just eliminated this religious exemption. And uh, now this year, what the big fight is, and this is why a lot of the parents were up there, is to mandate the HPV vaccine for all uh, children that will be attending middle school and high school in the state of New York. Uh, now, HPV sure. is a sexually transmitted disease, so school districts across the state, including all the school districts I represent, have come out vocally opposed to this and said, look, this is not something you're going to catch walking down the hall or sitting next to someone or even sharing mm-hmm. a drink with someone. You'd have to be sexually engaged for that to happen. So that that seems to be a great overreach when uh, it, should be the, it should be the parents' right.
4: Yeah, well, it's, it's obviously, you know, your Fourth Amendment comes into play. It's not going to survive the court. It's going to get to the court. It's not going to survive the courts. Uh, you, you can't make an invasion of privacy like that. Uh, I don't care if the kid's five or if they're 15. Yeah, uh, That's not going to make it to the courts. I don't know what's going on now as far as people going there. But I'm sure they're going to go there. But uh, you look at look at the uh, Supreme Court decisions uh, on the Fourth Amendment, okay? New York's know, going to get shot down sooner or later. I guarantee
0: it. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, I always joke that uh, the, unfortunately, the State Assembly never uh, lets the Constitution get in, you know, in, in front of uh, what they want to do. And I think, actually, one of the worst things that the Assembly did was put Wi-Fi on the floor. So when we're yeah. debating these bills and we bring up specific sections of the state and U.S. Constitution and read it out to them and how they're violating it, um, it, it yeah. it's it's really troubling, you know? Yeah, big time. Big time. All right. Thank
1: uh, I appreciate thanks it. Uh, thanks, thanks for the phone call. We're taking call 631 451 1039. We've got a semiman Doug Smith, on the air with us. You know, just to, uh, again, uh, I, I got a, a question. Obviously, you, you've been all over the place up there, you know how things work. These type of unpopular bills, and they're unpopular. I don't care. Even if I took a poll, nobody wants the bail reform. Nobody wants that discovery thing. When I say nobody, overwhelming majority of New Yorkers are pretty much going to say they're opposed to it. Uh, Is there any type of feedback? Like you said that when you were there, you saw hundreds of parents just involved. What? Is is are they not considered when we make these decisions? Because I'm I'm telling you what what, what motivates my question is. Uh, yesterday we got a call uh, Angela from Patrick. She's a regular listener, uh, highly highly astute to what's going on in Albany. You know, she made the statement that um, uh, for the most part they that the governor might have had some sort of a connection to pharmaceutical companies is that who dictates these bills the pharmaceutical companies because they are going to make out major on this stuff if you start mandating vaccinations and not consideration of what the uh, forgotten middle class feels doug your thoughts
0: well, I do think that um, the leadership in both houses and the governor do have a very outsized role when it comes to dictating what the agenda is going to be. And I, I think something that I'm concerned about, and many people don't realize this, uh, when you're talking about um, a budget, you know, the federal government in the U.S. Constitution, no spending bill will originate except in the House. So the House is where the budget starts in the state of New York. That is unfortunately not the case. It actually originates with the governor. So we actually have a different uh, situation there. So the governor of the state of New York actually is a very powerful figure. And I'm not just saying this governor, but there are certain uh, things that are in place that that make it a pretty powerful uh, person where he has a lot of control on that. And there's no recall in the state of New York. There's not uh, a a way to really uh, do a referendum in the state of New York. So so uh, other states have these things uh, that that just all goes to make the executive more powerful when they have a hand in really uh, dictating a lot of these policies. So uh, I'm not that cynical, uh, but I, I do have to say that uh, I, I, I really, I think that especially the, and I'm a millennial, I'm, I'm one of the youngest elected officials. I'm turning 30 this year. I think that our state government and elected officials would be well served to use new technology that is uh, you know, more affordable to take the pulse of the people and see what the people think on issues that are important and hold public hearings and and, and do that but uh but unfortunately that's not what we see too often
1: well, and again, I think that whole idea of transparency and public hearings and input from those people that are affected by this, in this case, parents of school children, as far as discovery and the, uh, and, and the bail reform, the uh, members of the criminal justice, our, our court, our police, corrections, all should be considered victims. Why would victims? Because they seem to now be victimized again, particularly on the discovery bill. So all of that there, and, and, and I'm going to go back to this, what bothers me a lot, is the fact that you're getting this idea that many of those members running around up there in the state senate and the state assembly are pretty much saying it stays the way it is, it's a good bill, they just seem to be complacent about it, and not wanting to consider some of the ramifications. In just the 10 days that this bill has been in, a, in, in effect, there were reports from all over the state of people being released on some of these crimes and reoffending again, Doug, in just 10 days that the bill was in effect. Does this have any impact on those those arrogant individuals that don't want to revisit this?
0: I think I think it does. And I think I think. Most people in the state of New York, even if you're a legislator, I think you are open to new ideas and open to changing your opinion, having an evolving opinion on issues like this. The last 10 days have been utter chaos. There's no way to um, say that any stronger. It's just been we're seeing case after case. And, you know, I know for a fact I've spoken with judges, district attorneys, defense attorneys, uh, law enforcement officers. I know they're not just calling me, so that's something that I feel very encouraged by, the fact that, you know, if, you know obviously I'm a friend of law enforcement, but uh, I know they're reaching out to people across the state and across uh, party lines. And when you see a strong bipartisan uh, coalition of local elected officials around the state of New York, sheriffs uh, who are elected, district attorneys who are elected from both parties, coming out and saying that this is chaotic, and even, like you said, you had that blue ribbon panel just the other day, even defense attorneys. Attorneys are concerned about that. I think that's something that uh, that really needs to uh, that, that will have an influence. So I'm I'm, I'm encouraged, but uh, you know how many more people are going to have to be hurt before we do what's right? And especially this year, you know, sitting in the governor's state of the state, talking about justice, you know, how he can talk about justice and all these things when we're not talking about crime victims, taxpayers, or citizens of the state of New York. Now, not to change the subject, but something that I do support that the governor put out there, and it goes to your last question he wants to make elected officials tax returns public and it's something that i think is important and it goes to what you're saying about you know who is paying the salary of an elected official so he put out a proposal now he, he mentioned this last year so we'll have to see if it actually comes to fruition but any elected official in the state of new york that makes one hundred thousand dollars or more which on long island would be county legislators uh town supervisors including people like myself uh, as, as state legislators um that that the public should have the right to know and that's something i support
1: Okay, six three one four five one one zero three nine. Only a few minutes left in this segment, but uh, we've got the assemblyman here. We'll be right right through the uh, one thirty hour, so we'll be taking your your questions. You know, I'm going to ask a philosophical question. I don't even seem to expect an answer out of this. I'm just want to throw it out just just for possible discussion. It almost seems that when you deal with that ultra left, that far left, that the philosophy of the far left, which which is not forgotten middle class values or anything like that, it just seems that when they have their uh, Um, their public policy initiatives, and they get control of a governing body like they did with the Senate, the State Senate and the State Assembly, and now the governor's office, that they are not interested in hearing counterpoints of view. It's like, this is the way it is. If you like it, fine. If you don't, too bad. Am I being a little
0: tough on our friends on the far left? Uh, no, you're not. And, and I'll tell you, when, when just yesterday, uh, we made, we had comments on the floor. The speaker gave a speech to the assembly. Uh, our new minority leader, Will Barkley, Republican leader in the assembly, gave his speech. And, you know he was the only person in the assembly to uh, actually express the concerns and he was very respectful with what he did but he said look in just the last uh, week and a half all of these horrific things have happened he lists out one by one and said look I'm not saying this to make people feel bad on the left and, and on you know across the aisle uh, but th- this is the new reality of the criminal justice system and unfortunately it's not all um, cupcakes and, and puppy dogs you know th- this is something that these are hardened criminals and even just on my way here, I, I uh, ran into one of my constituents, and they're horrified the fact that um, these people are getting released and then reoffending. You know, we're hearing about burglaries where uh, a person's getting charged with a burglary, they're getting released, and they're going right back out and committing more burglaries. And at that point, you know, judges have even said to me, you know, they wonder if some of these defendants just say, "Well, in for a penny, in for a pound." Might as well get as much as I can out of this, because at the end of the day, it's going to end up being plea bargained down. So what, what's it if I do six burglaries instead of two? I'll just keep going.
1: And, uh, but I put it out there. I'm cautioning that the, the rules of discovery now, which is going to require district attorneys within 15 days to uh, essentially turn over all information to the defendant i.e. his attorney or her attorney, then that in itself is going to lessen the opportunity of a plea bargain to expedite the case where they're going to wait more because the prior law said jury selection, which then presupposes that there's going to be a trial. So I think it's going to uh, stymie to a large extent the, uh, the plea bargain attempts, which was going to create more dismissals of cases. And that to me is going to be a offshoot of this, and I'm really concerned about that. Believe it or not, we're going to take a break when we get back. I want to go more into the state of the state. What do we here in New York expect from this new session? Assemblyman Ducksmith Smith helping us out. A great Assemblyman giving us the information that was up there this week. I'm Tom Chaleria listening to Your Island here on 103.9 LI News Radio. We'll be right back.
0: So everyone loves. Do not attempt to change the station. Just listen, and we'll keep broadcasting. It's time to begin the show. 1039 LI News Radio presents Your Island, the very best in talk radio, with your host, Tom Shalero.
1: right into it we are talking with assemblyman doug smith about events in albany this week first week of the legislative session what business is going to transpire are they going to repeat themselves by essentially taking taxpayer funded programs giving it to the uh, persons that in many cases don't even pay taxes 631-451-1039 in addition to legislation like we saw last year that was absolutely and can i please use the word garbage. 631-451-1039. Assemblyman Doug Smith. So give us a synopsis. You're sitting there, I guess Wednesday, and the governor is going through his program. Anything for our veterans? Anything for our senior citizens? What's going to happen with our schools? I'm going through the litany here. Uh, Are there taxpayer-funded programs that are going to help the
0: taxpayers? Can I be so bold to say that? What did you surmise from all of it? Well, it it was a lot of talk. It was was long on talk short on uh, how it's going to get done. But uh, he did. He did mention something that's important to me, uh, an increase in education aid. You know, that's something that I think we need to see because our property taxes are directly related to how much we're paying for our schools. So the fight will will be um, when his budget address comes out in about two weeks. uh, Where is that increase in money going to be going? You know, I'm going to be fighting to make sure it comes to Long Island and and my district in this area here. Um, He talked about a small business tax cut um which uh to reduce the um to reduce the small uh corporate taxpayers from 6.5 percent to four percent uh which would cut uh taxes for about 36,000 small businesses uh that's something that uh that uh you know i can get behind and and he's talking about um uh, boosting a tax credit for sole proprietors and small farmers that have uh, less than two hundred and fifty thousand in net business or farm income, so you know that 's something that we can support uh, so there were you know it was a mixed bag but uh, but overall, I mean the fact that he did not mention the bail reform that 's concerning uh, He did talk about a new uh, bond act that he 'd like to support he 's calling it the uh, mother nature i uh, 'm sorry the restore Mother nature bond Act which he 's calling for a bond to be done for three billion dollars to To make uh, upgrades and and help our environment Uh, that I believe will be put on the ballot for all the the voters, the people to uh, decide if that's something they want to support. So, you know, there, there were some interesting things. Now not to not to get back to bail from but i just did just get something as i'm sitting here across the way that we have another horror story of bail reform uh we got a guy up in onondaga county darian shellman who admitted to shooting and killing his girlfriend her four-year-old daughter was present and he was released from prison because it was deemed an accidental shooting and uh, it was not done with an illegal weapon uh illegal firearm so i mean these things continuously are coming right across the wire uh, that's,
1: uh, you know, I'm almost speechless when it comes to that. Once again, our number six three one 631-451-1039. We've got Assemblyman Duck Smith up in Albany uh, for the uh, first time this session in 2020, uh, listening to the governor's state of the state. Um, and that was my concern. Anything about the STAR program or giving the folks back some of their money on their school taxes, which are so high here in New York States, particularly Nassau and Suffolk County. Anything on that? Are they going to do away with that?
0: Well, quiet on the star program. And last year, unfortunately, the star program was changed. And this was very quiet. It, to be honest, it, it's offered much confusion for the people that I represent right now, because some people got one check, some people got two checks. So uh, if I could take a second to explain that uh, the star right now, there's two situations so older homeowners people who have had their home prior to 2015-16 um, they receive if they've registered for star or enhanced star an exemption automatically off of their home now those like myself who bought their homes after that time I bought my house in 2017 uh, we are getting a, um, a, a rebate check so instead of automatically having that uh, you know roughly thousand dollars deducted you know from my mortgage and, and my tax payment. Uh, We get a rebate check, and the idea is to apply that to to the taxes. Uh, Then there's a second check, and we've talked about this, the property tax relief check, that uh, for the last uh, three years, taxpayers have counted on that, which um, it's factored in by your income and also your increase in taxes from year to year. So if your school district stayed within the 2% tax cap, uh, then you would be eligible for this check. And it offered quite some confusion. And and actually, I'm I'm very disappointed there was A major issue that resulted in the people in Islip and Brookhaven, the areas I represent, uh, their tax checks were uh, dated December 31st and only mailed out just a few days ago. Some people are still getting them. Uh, So that program set to sunset this year. I would like to see it continued, but uh, I am fearful that uh, with the budget deficit, they're going to be eliminating that. And we talked about that on your program.
1: Yeah, no, we did. I mean, the, the, the whole idea that they're bantering about a $6 billion deficit in New York State, and how many of us are going to sit back and think, well, we can get that little rebate and so on someone? I don't know, Doug Smith. I think that's going to be dead in the water. I mean, they overshot themselves here. And, uh, and again, if you don't have property tax relief, To the hard-pressed taxpayers in Suffolk County, Nassau County, the rest of New York State, at what point, and is it ever discussed up there that New York
0: State is going to lose more people than you could possibly imagine? Well, the one person that did discuss that was the Assembly Republican leader, Will Barkley. He got up and talked about how you know it's not a rosy picture, and even the new uh, New York State Republican chairman came out and said, we're the number one for out-migration. This past year, 77,000 New Yorkers left. That's 200 people per day leaving New York for what they believe to be greener pastures. Now, again, I believe that this is the greatest place to live, and I have dug my heels in. I intend to stand and fight my family and a lot of people in our community, but it is just, you know, we really need to address the issue of property tax burden. If we don't address that, everything else is just small potatoes.
1: Exactly. And that's going to cause so much problems, you know, again. And the more people that leave, folks, keep in mind, these are taxpayer citizens leaving. They're leaving that tax burden, the spending burden to us. And we expect our elected officials at least to have some sort of fiscal responsibility. And, of course, our assemblyman, Doug Smith, certainly has that and helping us out with this discussion. We take your phone call, 631-451-1039. We got Mike over there in Miller Place. Mike, you're on the air. Hi,
5: Tom. How are you? How are you, Doug? Doing well. Here's my silver dollar question. We have the the boroughs of New York City and the democratically controlled and their control of the legislature burying everybody here in Long Island. The tax burden, as we all know, is high for the school district, 70% of it. We have one superintendent in New York City, and we have 124 in Nassau and Suffolk. Why can't we fix that?
0: <laughs> that's that's that a great question, and <laughs> and if you look at it with. With technology, the way technology has upgraded, you know, to run payroll for 600 people versus 6,000 or 60,000 people, uh, you can very easily do that. So it does make you wonder why we need this administration for all of these school districts. And then, of course, a pet peeve of mine as somebody who was a former teacher and a pet peeve of the people in my district are uh, how does it take to change a light bulb? You know, not pointing fun, but, you know, when you have a superintendent and six deputy superintendents making uh, very high success, Six-figure salaries. You know, many of them make more than the governor.
5: Uh, Doug, yeah, more than the governor. I mean, SIOS was then paid six fifty, and uh, I mean, it, it's such a simple fix, and I and I I get so frustrated. I don't comprehend why it's so difficult to fix it. The big part is politically motivated.
0: I really do think the biggest issue there is the fact that the way we have school districts structured, so we don't have, you know, in, in some parts of the country, they have county school districts, and we have a Suffolk County legislature, for example, 18 members elected by, you know, we the people in, in separate districts. Uh, the way New York State is structured, we have individual school boards, so that, that's what ends up happening is we have a separately elected official, uh, or in my case, for example, I live in the Sachem School District, which is a large district, so we do see the savings because we're covering such a large area and have so many students, but, uh, but we have nine elected uh, school board members, and they uh, hire the school superintendent, so... Right, Doug, uh, how many of those school board members work for the school district? Well, they can't work for their individual school district uh, that they're, they're serving they on the board, say, but... Yeah, but just like I'm, I'm in Rocky Point,
5: and I think uh, let's say 80% of them, I forget the exact number, all are working for one of the school districts, so their incentive is of course always to approve their their own salary increase. They're guaranteed five percent by the state contract. Regardless of what happens with the two percent tax cap, which is another ridiculous thing because they're all floating bonds to circumvent it. They got the whole thing rigged. There's not they should just flat out say no increase. Zero. Because they're making so much money. It would take my my old school years budget is I think $87 million a year for four buildings?
1: Yeah, it would take dramatic changes in the state law to rewrite the law in which to reestablish school districts so that you don't have 124. And it can be done. I've always said it can be done. I want to go to other calls. Mike, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank 631-451-1039. We got Mike over there in Riverhead. Hey, Mike, you're on the air.
3: Hi, question for the Assemblyman. I hear what you're talking about with the school districts. You know, uh, Suffolk County alone, 125 school districts, 656 public schools. Everybody complains about their taxes, but when you talk to a supervisor uh, of, uh, of a great town like Brookhaven and Romaine, They point their fingers and say, it's the school, we can't fix that. Well, how do we change that? How do we change it so we can fix that and we can consolidate these school districts and we can get rid of, you know, 22 deputy superintendents and superintendents that are making over $400,000 a year? That's where it's got to stop, Doug. How do we change that? Thank you.
0: I really do think it's going to take uh, the groundswell of the grassroots people of, let's say, Long Island, for instance. And the reason I say that is because, uh, unfortunately, there has, well, there has not been a good track record. So these are separately elected officials and separate entities. So anytime there's been a vote—now, let me tell you, if, if you—let's say, for example, I represent the Middle Country and Sachem school districts in Kinequat. If there were a proposal to merge Kinequat, Middle Country, and Sachem, that would have to go out to a vote of the people of the district. So that would be put on uh, the ballot. And when you look at it, people are very protective of their individual school districts. So the problem comes in. And even this isn't just school districts, fire districts and things. So uh, the way that the way that it would have to go about, you would need a vote and the people would have to approve that. And, you know, it uh, unfortunately, some people, you know, and it, it does seem kind of asinine if you think about it since we have such uh, such great schools in our area we really have the top tier schools in the country right here in long island so and you would still attend the same local schools just for the fact that transportation costs would need to be you know and, and uh, scenarios would have to be set up in such a way but there's been such opposition of you know i like my school district i don't want to be merged with my neighbor's school district and i think therein lies kind of an issue and it's a conversation that should be had And and it should be, and I think uh, a a good panel of individuals could sit down because to me the
1: uh, as some people may laugh at me, but I find the answer to this very very simple. Let's follow the models of other states that have exorbitantly low school taxes, simply because they do it by county by county. Let's imagine for a second a county like Suffolk that has a education commissioner. All of the districts in Suffolk County then could be fined for uh, in terms of purchasing and in terms of all of the administrative course can be done in one level but you could still maintain the local school boards which really don't cost a whole lot of money and still maintain teachers' salaries but reduce the courses uh, to a large extent by a lot of money the numbers show that that can be done that now add this one other factor to it come up with an alternative way other than the property tax in order to fund our schools you put those two together the people are going to be coming back to New York State from Florida and I'm going to say that that'll happen because you can do that and I can remember many many years ago in another life i worked for the new york state assembly i worked for an setback his name was angelo Orazio and i was his education advisor and every year he put in a bill to essentially fund the schools through the income tax which widens the tax base and doesn't put the burden on the property taxpayer in addition to the fact that you would restructure these school districts on a countywide basis but as doug smith just said you still go to the neighborhood
0: schools doug why is that so impossible the hard part is and it it's it's something that you know i i don't know how to sugarcoat this people just like their community and they you know and, and it's and I'm not just saying this uh, to speculate but you know if you look at the uh, any moves to consolidate and to combine districts there will always be people that you know maybe they live in a wealthier community and they don't want to be combined with a less wealthy community next door uh, which even though that could benefit every student you know and I, again it might be unpopular for me to say that but but that's what happens you know people say you know I love my Siasset school district I don't want to be combined with whoever's neighboring that. So
1: I have to switch that. You can do it by community. I agree. I've seen it in state instances. You take a county like Citrus County. OK, they, uh, they they do everything on a centralized basis, except for the local schools, because you have uh, communities like Floral City and and uh, there's a community, Beverly Hills, Inverness, so on. You can do it on a local community basis, but still have central purchasing. And the property taxes down here are unbelievable when it comes down to that. 631-451-1039. Let's see what... Joe has to say about this. Hey, Joe, you're on the air.
3: All right. First of all, I'm tired of hearing that the state can't do this because that's a total falsity. If you read the state constitution, and this I've heard this argued before, and everybody puts it to the back burner. In our state constitution, it directs that the state has broad-ranging powers and must pay for all the education of every resident's kid in this state. So they have broad powers that if they wanted to, they could change the imbalance of what's going on. Sometime in the 70s, school districts started saying, well, if we come out with a school tax, we can start to fund things that the state won't fund, okay? And somehow over the the decade, the state started giving less and they started raising the taxes. You can reset this, okay? Anything the state is not obligated to pay for, done, cut, out of the budget, you kids wanna, and I hate to say this, we've enjoyed it for decades, and I understand. Your kid wants to play football, you're going to have to pay for that. Your kid wants to take uh, piano lessons, you're going to have to pay for that. The taxpayers are supposed to be paying for the books, the education, the salaries, and everything else. So the state, that, that's, a, that's a cross that the state can't fix this. They could. It, it's a direct mandate in our Constitution for the state of New York. They have broad ranging powers, they could fix this very simply. But nobody wants to stand up to the teachers' unions and the superintendent unions and everybody else.
1: Now, one of I, I think the teachers would benefit by this, though. I really do, because I think they could focus more on our education, as opposed to, as uh, Mike from Riverhead said, with all of these different superintendents making exorbitant fees. You don't need that. That is a, a tremendous, colossal waste of taxpayer money. Doug?
0: I mean, as we do have, if you look at the New York City schools, because they don't make that local investment that we're making. They don't have that same uh, property tax structure. So when, you know, when they talk about they complain of their children learning in portable classrooms, these trailers, they complain. If you've seen some of the city school buildings, uh, I mean, there are concerns, water quality concerns, things like that. They're not up to date. So, I mean, I, I, I think that. We don't have that because we do make that significant local investment, so we do have better schools. You know, I I will stand any day of the week and say Long Island has better schools than uh, other parts of the state. You know, we we just do, but in a large part is because of that local investment. But the question is now, you know, when you're talking about that. Where, you know, something's got to give. And at what point does it give? And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the bigger question, I think. Because- yeah, but, but, but Doug,
1: I,
3: you know, I, I, I've looked at the city schools, too. There's so much waste and fraud in the city schools. I'll give you an example. They, they, I think it was Daily News ran an article a couple of years ago about how the head custodian fills out a budget, okay? They deposit the money into his account. He says he needs $1.35 for a rolls of toilet paper, so he orders a million rolls. Now he goes down and finds it for thirty-five cents. Nobody can account for what happened for the difference of what they allocated and
0: where the other money went. Okay. No, I mean that that the particular case you're talking about actually has been changed so they don't do it that way anymore with the because uh, you're talking about the uh, the custodial engineers that run the buildings they run the boilers yes. uh, they don't but. they don't uh, it does not operate that way anymore um, okay. so that is and, and actually I had a constituent who had a case who was one of these people and the way that the city and, and to your point actually the way that the city was running this uh, they were held personally liable for that uh, that budget so uh, you know they were hiring cleaners and things like that so so that uh i mean that that has been changed um but uh, you know so I, I don't think that that necessarily is the problem but in government when you have these and, and a school district is a level of government it, it is at the end of the day it's publicly funded uh now the other part of it is that i see a, a big problem when you look at the charter schools now because this is even instituting a further it's you know charter schools say charter schools are public schools and the only thing really public about them is the funding so now we're actually hiring charter schools are able to hire uh people who are not certified teachers and things like that so now we're funneling away our taxpayer dollars into charter schools and you know they're giving nice uniforms to students but in a lot of ways they're wasting money as well so i don't think that that is necessarily the answer but to your point we really need to fix it we need to dig in and go line by line okay just about to take a break joe i'll give you 10 more seconds if you got a final book
3: Well, I I mean, listen, I think it's just a will of not doing some institutional changes. I think an income tax of maybe two, two and a half percent of everybody working and having more discretion of what is being released. I'm tired of Mr. DiNapoli going into these school districts and finding surplus funds that are well above what the state law requires but nobody calls the money back uh it's just it's just too often and appreciate it uh, appreciate it we have to make institutional changes
1: all right right thanks for the call joe appreciate it now doug smith listen we're going to be getting reports from you as the uh, as the legislative session goes on doug thanks for uh coming in enjoy your weekend and we'll see you then in a couple of weeks thanks I'm your host Tom Chalero. Coming up for our last segment, Barbara Monica calling on one of our local reporters, giving us a week in review. A lot of things have happened. I'm Tom Chalero. Listening to the award-winning 103.9 LI News Radio. We'll take a short break when we get back. Yeah.